0: This is the Organizational Health Advantage podcast with Keith Hadley and James Felton, Principal Consultants at Table Group. They're in the business of coaching leaders to build strategic focus and cultural alignment that leads to amazing results. This podcast is for leaders who are looking to increase productivity and morale while decreasing politics, confusion
1: and unwanted turnover.
0: Welcome to the Org
1: Health Advantage. Hi, I'm James Felton. And I'm Keith Hadley. As independent principal consultants with The Table Group, we get to work with some pretty extraordinary leaders. What we do is we help them build extraordinary teams and experience the advantages of strategic focus, cultural alignment. Simply put,
0: we're trying to help organizations make faster and better decisions with more seamless and agile execution, leading to amazing results. Because transformation starts when leaders are at the table welcome to the Org Health Advantage. So today, this being our first podcast of the Organizational Health Advantage, we want to talk about the benefits of doing this work, how it leads to better results, and also some of the pitfalls and obstacles that a leader might face in evolving their company in this way.
1: Yeah. Our goal is to bring leaders onto the podcast with us to talk to our clients that are actually doing this work and and just explore different ways of like, hey, this is easy in principle, but it gets pretty hard in practice. But we thought, James, right, today, let's just start out by defining what organizational health is. Why don't you start? Absolutely.
0: Well, we would say that companies need to have two things in order to be successful. They need to be smart-focused, and that would be all their functions. You know, there's finance, technology, sales, marketing, ops, and you know, for every industry, there's probably a few other functions that, that need, they need to be smart at. We would say your competitors are also trying to be really good there. And so the other place that we find a competitive advantage, of course, is the healthy side. And as I referred to earlier, that's increasing productivity and morale and minimizing politics and confusion. And we would say there are four disciplines to help us get to a healthy organization. You want to take that, Keith?
1: Yeah, yeah. And just like physical disciplines, you know, if we want to be physically healthy, we have to eat right and exercise and get good sleep. And those are disciplines. We know the answer. We just don't do them every day. We think there are organizational health disciplines. And just really quick, the disciplines are around the team, around being clear, around good communications, and around systems, simple systems. So... As far as the team goes, it's the discipline of building and maintaining a cohesive team at the top, one that's capable of having direct conversations because they trust each other, they can make decisions that are clear, they commit to decisions, they hold each other accountable, and they really focus on shared results. And that's harder to pull off than you might think, as James and I know from working with our clients. And secondly, on the clarity side, we just need to be clear about six critical questions around our our purpose and our, our values. Uh, really, which is the bedrock of our culture. We need to be clear on where we're going and our strategy to get there and, and what market we're actually in. We call that our business definition and our strategic anchors. And we need to be clear about our our focus, our priorities, and our roles. And those are very dynamic. They change you know, every every month, every quarter. That could change what's most important right now. And then as leaders, over-communicating that. People need to hear things seven times not before they understand you, but before they believe you. We need to create opportunities for dialogue. We need to become what we call chief reminding officers. And that's just a discipline that most leaders um, fall short on because it just seems like they're being repetitive or manipulative or cheesy, but we need to reinforce and and over-communicate. And then the fourth discipline, of course, is reinforcing our clarity through all the human systems. Uh, think about how we recruit and hire people, how we onboard them and manage them, how we reward and recognize, incentivize them. These are all systems, even the system for how we would discipline or exit or stri- you know uh, separate from somebody. And then probably the biggest system that an organization has where all of these disciplines live is their system of meetings or their cadence, their discipline of meetings, not just at the senior level. But at the next level, the cross-functional layers, all the way down to the individual teams. There has to be some kind of a central nervous system for communication to flow up and down in dialogue, not just in emails. So those are the four disciplines. It's, it's, really, it's really simple, isn't it, James? <laughs> it's really simple. Simple to understand, harder to put in
0: practice. But the payoff is huge. I mean, we just spoke with a CEO who came to our conference And he talked about just how much they have grown since we first started working with them. And the work that it took paid huge dividends in in their growth over the last few years and their culture. And so it's it's provided an ROI for them that is clearly, clearly paid off. Yeah. Yeah. And so we feel like once you get this flywheel going and you have really cohesive teams and you've got clarity which is pro, which is pointing to strategic and cultural anchors that everybody can align to and and you keep communicating what's important and you've got it reinforced in your human systems and your culture and your strategy the payoff is huge yeah uh, but it takes some discipline to get there for yeah. sure
1: James as you were saying that I just had this kind of insight that we work with a lot of clients that are early stage and what they're yeah. really craving is is like as we grow and scale and expand like we need to establish some kind of a like an uh, like an operating system a, a methodology of leadership and direction setting and feedback and so many of our clients uh, over the course of a year have literally doubled in size sometimes more in terms of their people you know they when we started they had 20 people now they have 200 we, we had, They had 50 people. Now they have 150 people, and their, their revenues are scaling, and their operations are trying to scale. And so they are just craving some kind of a system that's simple to kind of pull all this together. And then we work with a lot of clients on the other end of the spectrum that have been at it for a long time, and they're mature organizations. And they have kind of the opposite problem, is that over time, their systems and tools, have become so complex. I talked to a company this last week. The CEO has 17 direct reports. The head of OD walked me through a PowerPoint presentation that was like 18 pages long, and they wanted to know how we could help them. And my first thought was, well, the first thing we're going to do is to help you simplify all of this. Like, this has just grown to be so unwieldy. And, and then and everything in between and everything in between in terms of company size. So these things are powerful, they're simple, but as we said, they're just super hard.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I think with the, the startups or the early phase companies, this provides some structure that they probably don't have and they're really looking for and needing. And yet on the bigger company size, this is simplification of what they've been doing and like making it a lot easier to understand, comprehend and live and i i love that that description of it because it's true those those early stage companies need some structure this provides it and those older bigger companies need to simplify and this provides that as well
1: so james i have a question for you yeah this world needs another podcast like the library needs another book right like why why do we feel like we have any right or any value to add in doing a podcast i mean So that's a question. I'll I'll let you respond first. I've got some thoughts.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think companies and leaders who take this on need helpful reminders along the way. You know, I view this podcast as coaching leaders, and that could be at the executive level, it could be at the mid-manager level. But I think this these are helpful reminders and and you know, occasionally we'll probably prod and 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 encourage people to take action. Um, and we'll learn from leaders who are doing this. And so this could be a space where where it's like, you know, collaborative without being necessarily in the same room. But that's how I view this as being a place to to provide helpful reminders to leaders who are taking this on because it, it can get difficult at times. Yeah. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, my thought is, well, first of all, I mean, we're both principal consultants with The Table Group, and Pat Luncioni is a terrific author. We have so much respect for his work. He has an amazing podcast called At The Table that we are completely addicted to. I share so many episodes of At The Table with with the clients that we serve. Um, And what Pat and Cody and other guests are doing there is they're taking these simple concepts and really explaining them and expounding on them, and that's incredibly helpful. I think our vision for this podcast would be to involve clients and leaders, leaders that are trying to do this and hear their stories of what about this was harder than you thought it would be? Uh, what did you try? How did that turn out? I think I'm excited to see stories of application and how, yeah. how we can learn. Some will be cautionary tales. Some will be tales of overcoming. But that, that's really my vision for it. And, and if it's just you and I in the podcast, it's going to be our stories of what we've seen work in practical application. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm excited about.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, I think we could jump right into that with with that CEO that came and spoke to our conference. You and I have both worked with him. He, you know, their company grew from 25 million to 650 million this year. They're at 650 million. They grew that over about 3 years time, and we asked him the question of like what advice would you give CEOs at the start of this work or, or when they first start leading their company. And he had four pieces of advice. Yeah. And he said, one, define your culture, strategy, and vision. Two, make sure you use that to help you get the right butts in the right seats. Three, use that culture, strategy, and vision to help with your performance management. And then lastly, understand the business you're in, the cycle of business you're in, and do whatever you can to anticipate challenges coming up. And I just think that is so important, Keith, to help define your strategy and your culture and use it in all parts of the business. Yeah, yeah. And he's real. They've really done a good job of building their business around their culture and their strategy. Again, to go from 25 million to 650 million.
1: Yeah, I hope we get him about this podcast, and I, I kind of want to like. Give him a shout out, but we should probably just wait until we get him on here. The one <laughs> yeah, thing that is a defining absolutely. characteristic of this leader that he talked a lot about, and this is maybe you know one piece of practical advice, is he completely owned this work. This was his effort. He was the champion and the driver of organizational health. Uh, we were coming alongside to help him and support him, and he has a team that really embraced it with him. But over the, over the years that they've been at this, uh, he would be the first to tell you it's been incredibly challenging, but it starts with him owning it. Yeah.
0: Well, I was just going to say, he would say it's challenging, and it's definitely paid off.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. We talked about four disciplines. I, I thought maybe just since this is our first episode, let's just give one or two practical pieces of advice based on our experience for each of the disciplines. So I think that's great. Discipline one, James, you lead it off. What, where do leaders struggle? What about discipline one is hard and what's our advice?
0: Yeah. So discipline one is around creating cohesive teams. And we would say there are five behaviors that we're looking for in that. And one is to build vulnerability based trust or what other people call psychological safety. That's in order to get to healthy conflict and debate. You want to, that will help you make decisions that people can commit to, you know, when we have that overall commitment, even if we disagree on the decision, it's the commitment is around implementation with hundred percent vigor that leads to peer-to-peer accountability. And when you have that, you've got a team that is focused on collective results as opposed to focused on their own siloed results. This is a team that's got each other's backs. And so I think a couple of things are, are challenging in there, Keith, and I'd love your perspective too. But one is building that, that vulnerability-based trust where we can admit mistakes, ask for help, admit that somebody knows this better than, than I do and lean on them, just where it's total transparency to identify problems that we need to focus on and, and solve as a team. So I would say there's that. And then uh, the challenge of accountability is probably the one we see the most.
1: Yep. And, and that that really pulls from the trust bank.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it could be, you know, where, where a leader struggles with accountability and how to do it. I think people, you know, leaders are kind of like, well, how do I do that without seeming like a jerk? It's like, you don't have to be a jerk to to hold somebody accountable. You just need to set some clear expectations and then talk about accountability as a positive thing. Like we we're all trying to get to the same place and we need to make sure we're all not only rowing in the same direction but helping each other achieve these results. Yeah. Would you add anything to that?
1: Yeah, I just say, you know, the bottom line on on discipline 1 is is that foundation of vulnerability-based trust. People do not expect leaders to be perfect, but they do expect them to be human. And I think when we work with leaders that have teams that are kind of like all green teams, we often see that they avoid interpersonal discomfort because they have such a good vibe going at the top, they don't want to say anything to jeopardize it. We work with teams that are kind of all red teams, and just at the heart of that team is just, these are, these are good people, they're smart, they deserve to be sitting in the seats they're in. But they just haven't learned how to be vulnerable enough to tap into each other's insights, expertise. So it's hard for them to challenge each other and to confront problems and challenge you know, ask questions about each other's approaches and methods. So that's the breakthrough yeah. on discipline one, bottom line, starts the vulnerability. I would say discipline two, the breakthrough is that. Teams think they're actually clear and they're not nearly as clear as they think they are. I can't tell you how many times we've worked with a leader who says, Oh no, we've got a really good handle on our priorities. I said, that's awesome. Hey everybody, write down right now what's the number one priority that this company is facing. Everybody writes something down, they read it out, and they're all over the map. And we we've really challenged our leaders on that, on that prioritization recently that in reality, something is most important to this business. Whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we like it or not, something is more important than anything else. And our job is to figure out what that is. And so I think the enemy of clarity is this illusion that we have clarity. And again, in humility, we can acknowledge that we need to be more clear and we need to use this clarity as a tool. What would you add to that? And then we'll go to discipline three.
0: Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is I think the discipline there is around saying no to certain things. And it could be, you know, in your core purpose or your business definition or core values and for sure in your thematic goal and saying what's most important right now. A lot of the clarity is around actually narrowing the focus, narrowing the frame. And that means you're saying no to things, but that is really hard for some leaders to want to do and to get that
1: focused. Yeah yeah discipline three what would be your call out you know
0: I I, I think it's really easy it's the discipline is over communicating our clarity and I think what happens a lot of times is we just don't communicate enough yeah you know w- we have the old adage that you know nobody left a company because because leaders were clear and communicated often about what's important and so so I think the reality is is, we say something once or twice and think it should be clear and focused on. And as you say, like we've got we've to communicate a lot so people remember it, but also overcome their cynicism.
1: Yeah. And most of our executives are communicating to other leaders. And so not only do they need to understand, but they need to be able to repeat that message. They need to own that message at the next layer down the next layer. I feel bad for leaders especially like this guy I was talking to the other day with 17 direct reports, because if he says something that the team wants, they've heard it once. Maybe he repeats himself a second time, they've heard it twice. Maybe he writes an email, they've heard it three times. Then he does a one-on-one. For him, he's now said it 17 plus three. He's now said it 20 times, but they've only heard it four times each. And so, exactly, you start to you start to realize when we talk about dialogue and repetition, like what that means. It means we need a simple message to begin with and be on message. And most of the companies yeah. that we work with are going through some kind of a change. And man, change requires so much clarity in communication. So yeah, that's. I mean, we'll explore that in an, in another podcast, I'm sure. But, whew, it is tough. <laughs> it is tough yeah. to be to over communicate. Yeah. What about discipline yeah. four? and the discipline
0: 4 which is reinforcing the clarity the things that we have sent imp- are important in our human systems i think those become bureaucratic at times yep you know it's not a reflection of our the culture we want it's it's too much you know i once worked with a really big organization and, and i asked their head of hr i said uh, do you have core values and he said oh yeah i said what are they and he said Well, let me find them. Hold on a second. (laughs) And I thought, oh my gosh, you should know these, you know, in my in my head. And then he said, yeah, I'll send them to you. And I can't, I can't wait to send you our survey. And then he sent, you know, uh, another document of of how they are supposed to hold each other accountable. And he sent me – and so he was really fired up on, on the bureaucratic things that they had put in place, but he couldn't remember their core values.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And and what we really need to do is slim it down and and just make sure we're, we're hiring the right people. We're onboarding in a, in a really positive way. We're t- using our, our clarity and performance management and, and so on.
1: James, you and I have been in the room so many times where, where we're talking with the team about a difficult employee, maybe not on the exec team, but at the next level down. And they're yeah. describing this behavior and that behavior and this failure and that failure. And we'll often interrupt to just walk through their core values. So, modeling it using table groups' core values, you would say, Well, is this person humble? Well, sometimes are they hungry? Do they have like, are they self motivated to get the work done? No, not really. Are they people smart? No, not at all. Okay, when did you figure that out? Like during the hiring process, you know, what, did they show up as a different person on day on day one? Like, what was the gap between what you saw in the interview and what you saw when they showed up? And often we we find really quickly that they are hiring for qualifications. They're hiring for resume, and they're they're. They're talking themselves into hiring a person that looks great on paper, even though they're starting to see red flags that they don't really fit the core values. So that's just one example of, of how quickly these systems can break down. And it's, it's really pretty simple. It's like, hey, just put together, make sure your core values are really tested for. I was recently with yeah. another team that is bringing a new executive onto the team. And over the course of the offsite, we realized that most of the executive team hadn't even met the person yet. I thought, oh, man, I hope I hope this individual fits, but how do you bring in an executive that hasn't been interviewed by the other executives? And they realize it's kind of a miss. So there's there's a big exposure risk, and I can't wait to see how yeah. it turns out. I hope it turns out well. But it was just a s- simple system that they could put in place to make sure that, in this case, their hiring practices align with their core values.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then the last thing I would say that, because you added this earlier and we definitely want to touch on it is the meetings. Yeah. You know, are the meetings helping us focus on our priorities and you know what we need to get accomplished in the next week, the next month, the next 6 months? Or are we talking about a whole broad base of topics and you know, you and I have have worked with teams where they have a weekly meeting that's 4 hours long and you're like oh my gosh what are what are we focused on here yeah, you know
1: just and shoot me. Uh,
0: and so you know that's a whole podcast in itself probably is is meetings and making those as effective as possible
1: yeah and our, our quick advice to leaders would be like you own the meeting you know like, the, Absolutely. like like the 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 job of the CEO is to run really good meetings and now if you know you need yeah. help and support doing that from somebody who's maybe a timekeeper or a scribe, that's great. But like, just embrace the fact that that is a major part of your job is to run really good meetings. So, man, there's so much to explore. Maybe this is a good spot to kind of wrap things up. I think so. I think our takeaway
0: here and our encouragement for people would be like, hey, leading, leading organizational health is going to have great payoffs, but like anything there are going to be some pitfalls and some obstacles that you need to encounter. And we hope that this podcast over time helps you hit those milestones and overcome those obstacles and pitfalls.
1: Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, James. Thanks
0: for listening to the org health advantage. Your hosts, Keith and James are helping leaders change the world of work and invite you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. For more resources on building stronger teams and organizational health, check out
1: tablegroup.com. Produced by Audovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.